We're in Philippians chapter 3. Paul is writing a letter to the Philippians, and it's a joyful letter. He speaks of rejoicing in this third chapter uh, several times. In the book of Philippians, he speaks of rejoicing 19 times. Paul writes this letter while he's in a Roman prison. He happens to be chained to a Roman guard. And he doesn't know if Caesar is going to behead him or set him free. So Paul had every reason to be filled with anxiety. But Paul expresses joy. And he bases his joy not upon the circumstance, not upon his situation as a prisoner, but uh, he has hope in the resurrected Jesus. Paul could have been caught up in his fate, his events that will transpire before Caesar, and he could have been worried. You ever been worried? Well, I'm a consummate worrier, but I know worrying's a sin, so I get concerned, okay? All right. And he could have been worried to the point of despair. Paul speaks in this uh, epistle of considering, remembering the joy that he had when he became a believer. Now, we cannot change our hearts. It takes God to change a person's heart. But we can change our minds. We can change our thought process. Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our thought life is important. And Paul, in this chapter 3 of Philippians, he refers to an attitude of joyfulness regardless of his circumstance. So let's read Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also add, confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed... I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection, 
and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And of course, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But the opening word in verse 1, finally. Paul has come to a conclusion. Finally, my brethren, rejoice not in circumstance, but rejoice in the Lord. We need to set our minds on the goodness of God, on the goodness of our inheritance by a faithful God. And it says there in verse 1, being children of God, you are safe. Do we take our security, our safeness for granted? We've solved the issues of Jesus as our Savior, at least I hope we all have. But as a child of God, you're safe. Verse 2 and 3, and there's three bewares there in these two verses. There's three things that we are to be cautious about. Beware of dogs. My neighborhood's safe. No, it's not that kind of dog he's talking about. It was a reference used by the Jews referring to Gentiles. We were often called Gentile dogs. Paul warns us, though, about these who would, through evil practices like circumcision of the Gentiles, we would attempt, by cutting of the flesh, to become more pious or more law-abiding, more Jewish, if you will. There is a real danger when Paul uh, declares mutilation of the flesh is an attempt to be holy. Paul continues, If I think I have confidence in the flesh... Me, being a Jew by birth, a Pharisee by my belief in the law. And he said, by the way, I was circumcised the eighth day as a Jew, and I am of the tribe of Benjamin. And he says, talking about commitment and zeal, I persecuted early believers, thinking I was pleasing God. And my life was dedicated to Jewish religious activities of the law. I was blameless in my commitment to being a Pharisee. I wasn't wishy-washy. Paul writes that his former life as a Pharisee was a defender of the law. He was a persecutor of Christians. And that was all wrong. Paul will discover in his encounter with Jesus how wrong he was. Because upon Paul's conversion, he turns from his upbringing. He turns away from being uh, a Pharisee, being a man of the law, on the Damascus Road. Paul is encountered by the risen Jesus, and Jesus is appearing as a very bright light. 
<clears throat> and Paul has a question for Jesus. And he says, who are you, Lord? And then the second part of the question, and what would you have me to do? Paul at this time is probably in his mid-30s. You didn't enter into adult ministry until you were 30. Jesus was 30 when he entered his ministry. But Paul in verse 8, he has a label for his former life. It was all rubbish. Doesn't that sound British? Rubbish. (laughs) This is true of each and every one of us that have been born again. Our former life was rubbish. We see the evidence of this in a person who is converted later in life, as an adult, after having gone their own way, and we've made a mess of our life in our selfish ambitions and selfish ways. And maybe, just maybe some of you have discovered that your past life, B.C., before Christ, was rubbish. I thank God quite often that he's given me purpose in life, a cause for himself, and it has eternal benefits. And children, as children of the living God, God has a plan for each and every one of us, and it has eternal benefits. Verse 8, Paul said, I count all things lost. And Paul was on a fast track for Jewish recognition in his faith. He was part of the Sanhedrin council, part of the 70 that ruled over uh, Jerusalem and uh, the Jewish faith. And he was highly esteemed. Paul was a power player in the Jewish world. But Paul says, I have found the excellent knowledge of Jesus, my Lord. And again, he calls his former life as a Jewish leader rubbish. And it was rubbish compared to the knowledge and faith in Christ. Part, an integral part, of Paul's knowledge was righteousness that he found in faith in Jesus. Faith that was based upon what? Upon the power of Jesus' resurrection. Paul had seen the living Christ. Paul was not casual in his Jewish faith. He wasn't quick to surrender his pharisaical roots in the law. But when Paul encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul could not do anything or say anything else but, what would you have me do, Lord? It took me a lot of years to honestly say that before the Lord. What would you have me do, Lord? In fact, I've shared before how I fought the Lord's call upon my life. I didn't want to be a minister. I thought if I surrendered my life to the Lord, I would be 
on the first boat to Africa as a missionary, and I didn't want any part of that. But I finally surrendered my life to the Lord and found out he had good things for me. But Paul, he went on not only to be an apostle, but he went on to suffer greatly for his faith. Because Paul had met the risen Savior. He had met, met his resurrected Lord. And many of us have met our resurrected Lord. And we've come to believe. And that is a good thing. And Jesus, he's still out there manifesting his resurrection to mankind today. He's risen, and he's making his risen Godhead known to man. But Jesus has a requirement. He gives us life, if we believe. But here's the requirement. We must believe that he rose from the grave, defeating death, being our propitiation for a right relationship with God. Jesus, when he was encountered Mary and Martha after Lazarus had died, he talked about resurrection. Turn with me to John 11, and we'll read uh, four or five verses there. 11, 21 through 25. Jesus is there. He went to Mary and Martha's house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. That is our hope. That is what we base our Christian faith upon. Jesus tells Martha there in verse 25, I am the resurrection and life. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? There's the question. Did Martha and Mary believe this? And that's the question Jesus asked everybody that has come into this world. Do you believe in me and do you believe I am the resurrection and life? And if you really believe this, and if you truly con uh, confess with your mouth, repent in your heart, Jesus will give you eternal life. And this is the good news of resurrection or the good news of Easter that we have a resurrected Lord. I kept it short. Don't want to overdo. I know most of you have eaten and eaten well. No sleepy eyes here. But I'm going to close with this. He is risen.
That's so good to hear back. <laughs> Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.